And so, Lord, I just thank you for this word, and I ask that you would cause that which is of you to stick and that which isn't to just fall away, that we would be better people after this, and we would be people who would be able to answer others. Amen. I want to, I may not get through the whole word. I don't care. I'm just going to share what God has me share today, okay? I want to share a bit of my personal testimony, some of which you've heard, some of which you maybe haven't, some of which you may have heard and forgotten. Either way, I'm going to share it, right? So with your permission, or maybe entirely without it, when we, when we started, I was trained to be a great orator. I, I knew what to do behind a microphone, and I was very gifted. And so we had a lot of success, and you'll know my wife as well. And we, we planted churches, church that became his people in Joburg, in Pretoria, um, planted works in Zambia, in Zimbabwe. And then God took us through a time of testing, about nine months of nothingness, which was really a wonderful time. And during that time, God really prepared us for something we didn't know He was taking us into, but He led us into Namibia, which is a place where witchcraft has reigned for generations. There has never been a move of God. Only approximately 3% of the churches believe in spirit-filled, and the church is very small. And so witchcraft and the worship of the cows and all the rest and ancestral worship is, was the primary mode of worship. And Andrew was very gifted, and he, he just dived in there. So he was, by 1997-98, he was running the congregation on a Sunday morning. He was running the campus service on a Sunday night. He was running the youth on a Friday night. He was the worship team. He, him and his guitar were the worship team. He would lead worship, he'd put his worship guitar down, he'd make the announcements, he'd take up the offering and he'd preach because we were still raising up leaders who actually, most of them had never read a Bible in their lives before. And as, as Andrew was doing all these things, he was very gifted and accomplished and we were seeing some success, but, you know, pride sets in. There's a big difference between gifted and character. And so often we run after people because they're gifted but really, we should be looking at their character. And I think if someone looked at my character, they would see a man who was running around. Carol defined me as trying to watch a whirlwind or a hurricane, one of the three. And not with my family as much as I should have been. And I burned myself out. We went through a few nights where we didn't sleep. And one morning I woke up. We were healthy. We were at gym all the time. We were strong. Burned myself out. Woke up one day and I actually was in so much pain I couldn't move. I thought, what's going on? So I thought it was just the flu. Weeks later, we're still there. After a year of going from doctor to doctor to doctor, they finally diagnosed me that the burnout had caused a neurological and chemical condition in my body where the neurons and chemicals in my body never stop sending pain signals to the brain. So perpetual pain that never stops, but it's not real pain because it's just pain that the brain thinks is there, even though it's not there. And so spent first six months flat on my back, couldn't do anything. God took me out of ministry. And my wife stepped up wonderfully, and I tell you what, she built something awesome and great that lasts and is strong to this day. But I was faced with some challenges. I... 18 years ago, got hit with this, and I then went all over the world to every place where there is healing, including TB Joshua in Nigeria. You name it, I went there. We had some very wealthy people who just said, go wherever. We'll, we'll cover the costs. 
And every place I went, I came back worse. And I, I remember, I've been on Schedule 5 painkillers for the last 18 years. And at times when it gets really bad, Schedule 6. And at times when it got really bad, Schedule 7, morphine. Uh, I am currently always on Schedule 5 painkillers, but God is restoring me. Those of you who have watched me, those of you who have seen my life, you will see that I am living a much more normal life now than, than I have before. God is restoring me. But the journey of that walk was a very painful one. When we left Namibia, came back to Joburg, I couldn't do anything. And when I came back to Joburg, I was used to being able to do everything, and here I was, I couldn't do anything. Went two months a couple of years ago to the healing center in Bethel. I spent two months there. I spent time soaking in their healing rooms. I spent time being prayed for, and the person next to me gets miraculously healed. And the person on the right of me, their leg grows out, and a foot appears. God, what about me? And I came home feeling worse. I look at this journey, and I've asked the questions, why? Some of the people we ministered to have been through so much worse stuff that, that it pales in comparison. One day I was complaining to the Lord and saying, God, I just wish I could have a normal life again. And God said, so you got two legs you can walk on, right? Yeah, you got two eyes you can see with, yeah? You got two arms that work? Uh-huh. And I, I suddenly just, be thankful for what you've got. And I have studied, I have researched, and I have soul-searched. And you need to do both, right? You need to do both. I have read books and... I must say, after my journey, I've come to some conclusions, and I want to share some of them with you today. There are so many teachings out there about suffering and pain, and some of them are mutually exclusive from one another. And I want to tell you, after research and reading the Bible and studying in my own walk and walking with others, that much of what is taught on this is unbiblical. And I'm hoping today to answer some of the questions that people ask that will help. Today, I want to try and answer four critical questions. Is suffering from God? Have asked that. There's a swath of people who teach that, yes, God sends suffering. God is the source of suffering. And if God's not the source of suffering, why does He allow it? And if there is suffering, what are the sources? Where does suffering and pain come from then, if it's not all from God? And how are we told to respond to suffering? Can you see that I have a big job ahead of me? Put your seatbelts on. And like I say, I might not get through all of it, and some of it I might touch on. I might just put a book out, and you can read that. I will put a book out. Now, is, is suffering from God? You know, many people think God's kind of like this. You see that picture? Most people will think that God is a judgmental, angry God. And religion will tell you that you are in pain and suffering because God is judging you. I've had that. How many people have told me you haven't forgiven? Oh, God, is there anyone? I mean, I spent hours and days. Is there anyone I haven't forgiven? I have forgiven all of you many times. I mean, this guy, is it lack of faith? Stir my faith. I, I mean, everything. And, and people will often believe this is a judgment because of a sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. And often we believe that there are natural disasters, which insurance so nicely calls acts of lightning zaps your house, it collapses, it kills your family. It was an act of which God do you serve? 
when we look at God, the whole message of the New Testament and the whole message that Jesus brought is not one of a judgmental God. It is one of a God who's full of mercy, who's full of grace. He's sent to reconcile and restore, not judge. John 3.16, why did God send Jesus? For God so judged the world that he sent his only son, that he may zap them and kill them. No, for God so loved the world. There are different words for world, okay? There are many different words in the Greek for world. I'm not going into a Greek study here. The, the one for the created earth is he. It's not used a lot. He, some pronounce. The other words for world is oikomeni or cosmos. But the most common use of those words, world, is the structures that man has put in place in contradiction to God. It is the world of man with man living man's way, is the most common use of that word world. And it says that God so loved this world that was against him, that was antagonistic against him, which the Bible says, even while we were still in our sin, Jesus died for us. So it's the word for world that is antagonistic and rebellious against God that God says, I love this world and I'm sending my son. It wasn't here, it wasn't to the earth. God loved the earth. It's God loved the rebellious world that was so against him that they'd set up structures of men that they didn't need God and they didn't want God. And John says he came into the world and the world didn't want him and the world didn't recognize him. But he came and it says that he sent his only son that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Can you fathom eternity? I want you to blink. Now, in terms of eternity, that's our life here on earth. It's very long when you're suffering. If you have very dry, scratchy eyes, that blink feels a lot longer than some people. But it's still just a blink in light of eternity. And I think we need to see things in light of eternity. But sometimes we don't get to John 3.17. For God did not send Jesus into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. Would you say that with me? God did not send Jesus into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. So when you see churches pointing the finger, judging unbelievers, judging heathens, judging heresy, God is no longer pointing the finger. There is only one pointing, and it's the cross pointing the way to Jesus. And He's the only way, and He's full of grace and mercy. And He says, anyone may come. If you believe in me, I will make you righteous, and I will not hold your sin against you. In fact, when Jesus said, this is my ministry, He came into a broken world. Would you agree? How many people were suffering in the world that Jesus came into? It says that Jesus walked around and his purpose was to do good and destroy the works of their devil. Did you know that's the purpose the Bible describes for Jesus? To destroy the works of the devil. He came to do good. So it says everywhere Jesus went, he healed all the sick. There is no account of anyone who came to Jesus for healing who did not get healed. And Jesus stands up one day and he quotes from Isaiah 61, prophesying about the Messiah. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of God is on me. And this is the spirit of God he's passed on to us. So we can all say it is on me too. What does the spirit do? 
He has anointed us to do what? Proclaim good news. Not that. Good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he wrapped up the scroll. Isaiah 61 goes on and says, And declare the vengeance of our God. Jesus didn't read that one. He didn't read that one. The Bible tells us that there is going to be a day of judgment. Say day. But it says we're in the year of the Lord's favor, the age of God's favor. So in which age are you living? There is, how long is the judgment? One, one day. It is destined to all men to die and after that to face the judgment. That's what the Bible says. We're all going to die once and then we're going to face judgment. Is the judgment today? No, we're in the age of the favor of the Lord. Anyone who seeks his favor will not be judged. He's not currently judging. He's currently opening his arms and say, come freely all. You know, and, and on earth, many would ask, well, where's his favor in the midst of suffering? And, and I must clarify something. Let me just say this, you know, that some people think that God created us to just be comfortable and, and safe and never anything wrong happened to us. And you know that God created a dangerous he. The earth was dangerous when God created it or restored the creation after Satan had dwelled there. The earth was dangerous. Were there still volcanoes? Scientists will tell us, yes. Were there trees that Adam would climb and show off how high he could climb that he could fall out of? God didn't protect him from everything. He said, if you walk with me, I'll keep you. But Adam could have chosen to do stuff, you know, get up to stuff. His wife stopped him. I'm sure that's why God created him. It was like, this dude's doing some crazy things. I better send someone to help him. But, you know, God is not against us facing problems. He's not against us facing hardships. These, he created us in his image. God is a problem-solving God. He loves to give us problems to solve. Why did he put the gold deep down in there where you can't see it? So it's a problem for us to solve. Why did he put such nice animals to eat on the other side of the river so that we could learn how to build a bridge? So when you face problems, when you face challenges, when you face hardships, things that you need to solve where it's not comfortable, but you need to do things about it, that is not the suffering we're talking about. Do you, do you hear the difference? The suffering we talk about when people ask this question is deep pain. Traumatic events, tragic events, abuse, violence, death, release of evil, loss of loved ones before their time, ungodly pain, the, the trauma, the injustice, the suffering that goes deep into your soul, that, that damages relationships and damages you. I don't think there's anyone here who hasn't felt some of that to some degree. Some of you here may have felt deep, deep suffering. We've ministered to some people who've been through some stuff. And I have to say, after ministering to some people, I go, man, God, I got it good. We had one lady that came to us in Namibia, and this is very common in the culture. They would set aside a young girl from as young as she can remember to be the sex object for the entire family, extended family. And as long as she could remember, she was raped all her life. She came to university, and that's where we met her. She was raped at university. 
that spirit of rape was all over her. She was just broken, devastated. Can you picture that? I don't know how she did commit suicide. We ministered to her. She got so set free that she was like, the joy that was on her was remarkable. Her testimony, she became one of our leaders and a missionary in London. Strong and full of Jesus because God healed her heart. And after going, God, why did you allow this? God did something in her that when he healed her heart, she now has the ability to minister to other rape victims like I could never. Bible says that it's by Jesus' stripes that we are healed, right? God sometimes will allow you to be striped. And when he heals you, that striping becomes a scar of authority that you can minister to others in a way that no one who didn't go through that couldn't do. There's some things you go through that allow you to minister to others. And so part of Scripture says God comforts you in your trouble so that you too can be a source of comfort to others going through the same things. It's a principle. And that's not to say all the trouble comes from God, but He will use that. And He'll give you authority because others are suffering and He wants us to be a solution. You know what? People say, where's God? God never shies away from suffering. The Bible's full of it. He didn't hide it away and tuck it under some carpet. And have you read the Psalms? Has anyone run their palms through the Psalms lately? Have you read David's life? Read the book of Job? Isn't that a sweet one? David, he lets David cry out. One of the prayers is, oh God, I am beaten up. I am battered. I'm surrounded by enemies. I cry out day and night. My tears are the only thing I have. I have not eaten. I have no food. I have no drink. God, why do you hide yourself from me? God, why are your ears deaf to my cry? If you prayed that prayer in front of church, they'd say, you have little faith. God put those prayers in the Bible. He doesn't mind us praying those prayers. He wants us to press into him. But David ends every psalm with, but yet will I praise him. David learned something which made him the greatest king of Israel and which made God say of him, he is going to be the king of the world is going to come from him as the king of Israel and made Jesus the son of David. You know, the Bible and history, people say it's a lack of faith, but the Bible and history show that some of the greatest characters in people, uh, in the Bible and history, suffered greatly. Some of the greatest heroes we know went through incredible suffering. But if they chose to press into God, they always came out better, not bitter. Job, we have Joseph, the story of Joseph, story of David, Paul. And he heard Corrie ten Boom. She was, she was a, a, a Christian put into the concentration camps. She suffered with all the others. And she came out full of forgiveness and better because she pressed into God and everyone else came out better. And God used her to heal so many who went through that experience. Helen Keller, born without sight, without hearing. And yet, man, the things that Helen Keller did and the revelations God gave her because she pushed in here. And the testimonies I've shared, just like that lady from Namibia. I know you, you're kind of saying, when are you going to read the Bible? I've been throwing Bible at you all the time. Right. Okay, good. But I want to look at James. James is kind of one of the key scriptures on suffering, and I, you don't have to turn there. I, I'm going to just read it. But this is how James says we should deal with suffering. 
consider it pure joy. <laughs> they lock people up and laugh like that when they're going through suffering. Whenever you face suffering and trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if you lack something, and if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. He'll give it generously without finding fault. So blessed is the man who perseveres through trials. Because when he has stood the test, he receives the crown of life that God gives to those who love him. So when tested, no one should say, God is testing me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone else. When tested, no one should say, God is doing this to me. Why not? Because each one is tempted when by our own evil desires, out of our own evil hearts, we dragged away and enticed. And after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And it gives birth to what we see in the world today all around us. Because it wasn't God who did this to us, but it was our evil hearts. And he closes with this, which I love. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Don't be deceived that this is from God. Don't be deceived that these things come from our good heavenly Father. Only good and perfect gifts come from above, from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shift in shadows. What comes from God? Only good and perfect gifts. What comes from evil hearts? Sin and death. Are we catching something here? So, so too many Christians are deceived by this teaching that this is all of God and that God sends it to us. And they quote Job, and I might step on some toes here. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Let me, let me tell you something. When you read the Bible, it's not all the heart of God. It is sometimes representing the heart of man. In fact, you cannot quote most of Job. Because at the end of Job, God rebukes all of them for not knowing anything. So don't quote Job to represent God's heart. Because even Job, he went through all the suffering. Did God explain to him afterwards? Job, let me explain, bro. Come here. He said, who are you to question me? Were you there when I laid out the oceans and the lines for the earth and the heavens and the cosmos? Were you there? Have you seen what it, where I put light, where I put darkness? Have you seen how I run and govern the universe? So why are you questioning me, Job? So don't quote Job. <laughs> he went through some miserable stuff. The Lord gives. We were singing that song once. You give and take away. And God just hit me. He said, no, I don't. I give. The evil in man's hearts and the devil takes away. I give. Can I just give you some proof on this quickly? Jesus said this. I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So who gives? Life and life abundantly, Jesus. Who steals, kills, and destroys? The enemy. And consider what God gave. When he created the earth, it was perfect. God said, and it was good. When he saw all of it, he said, it was very good. It was very good. 
There was no pain. There was no suffering. Of course, Adam had to work, and he, it was, he had to till the soil, and he had a job. He had a purpose. God said, I want you to rule. I want you to reign. I want you to take dominion. He had work. He had to do stuff. He had to rule over the animals and the creepy crawlies. Some of you would find that horrendous. You'd think there was suffering. But it was all part of God's plan, and it was great. It was awesome, and he followed God every day until man fell and chose to sin against God and brought a curse upon the he, the earth, as well as the world, mankind. The curse affected both. There was no pain until the curse. No suffering. So what did God create? A world in which there was no suffering or pain. It was perfect. What did man's fall do? Broke that world. So God says, well, okay, what am I going to do now? I'm going to fix that world. Remember Carol shared last week on Revelation about John seeing this revelation of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and earth coming down out of the skies. And it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among people. He'll dwell with them. They'll be his people and God himself will be with them. And what is that place going to be like? Listen to this. No matter what you've gone through in this life, he will then wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The old order of things is man broke the world. So God wanted man to live forever. He wanted man to always be in his presence and follow him and do great things. Man chose not to. And the earth became cursed. And so God said, well, I'll make a new one. And whatever you go through in this world because of the curse and because of man's sin and because of evil hearts, I'm going to fix. I'm going to make right. And if he doesn't do it this side of heaven fully to your satisfaction, he sure is going to do it after. I'm trusting God for healing. But you know what? If I never get healed, it doesn't change how I see God or how I see my life or my wife. In fact, it's made me a better person. Ask my wife. Like a thorn in the flesh teaching you to stay humble. But... But really, so, so what God creates is always good. If, God, if suffering is God's will, sickness is from God, sickness, he sends it to teach us lessons, then why did Jesus heal all the sick? Why did he cast out all the demons? Why did he say to us and command us, this is your command, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse incurable diseases, because they're not from him. It was man who broke the world. So is it God's will to suffer? No. Is he the source of suffering? No. I can tell you half of Christianity writes books to disagree with that. They're wrong. So if it's not God, why does he allow it? Now, some of this I've already explained. But a vital principle to understand is that when God created earth, he did something unusual. And he said to Adam and Eve, he said, I give you rulership over this earth. You take dominion. In fact, he then shows David in the Psalms. That the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind, you and me. So now when God does an authority transaction and says, this is mine, this is yours, you look after that. So I have my Bible, this is Mike's Bible, Mike, you look after your Bible. It's not my Bible, I give it to you. Now if Mike starts tearing pages out of that Bible, I'm horrified and shocked. I gave you that Bible. Why are you doing that, bro? You're going to miss out on so many good things. But it's his Bible now. You can tear all the pages out. So God gave earth to man, and mankind tore the pages out of the Bible. 
Mankind tore up the world. Mankind chose to say, we don't need you, God. We reject you and your ways. And because God gave it to man, there's an authority delineation. God chooses to not step in and take authority. So when people say, why does God allow suffering? One of the greatest reasons is that he's given authority to man. And he can heal hearts. But a young child who's under the authority of their parents and those parents are abusing that child, it breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart. He's going, I gave you that child to show them who I am. I gave you that child to show them the goodness of the father. What are you doing? But we all come to a place where we can come to God and we can be healed. We've seen so many healed. But we must understand that God gave it to us to govern. And when evil men prevail on the earth, evil overcomes innocent victims. It's not because of God's judgment that a drunk man climbs into a car and drives and crashes into you and kills the family in that car. That is a man's unwise decision because of the evil of his own heart and the innocent suffer. Let me just say this, which is critical in this topic. God giving man a free will has got to be the hugest thing he ever did. No other creatures ever had that. God gave us free will. It is the hugest thing. And the way we chose to use that free will determines everything. Philip Yancey says this, and he's written a whole book on this. He's done a great study on suffering and pain. I love a lot of what he says. And he says, again and again, God is shocked by the behavior of human beings. As I studied, I marveled at how much God lets human beings affect him. I was unprepared when I read about the joy, the anguish, the passion, the emotions of the God of the universe because of man's sin. Man tries to analyze God, but God is not a being who wants to be analyzed. Mainly, he wants to be loved. So he gave you free will so that you could choose to love him. Because without free will, love isn't true love. If you are forced to marry someone and you hate them, but you have to get married and you're forced and you have no choice, that's not love. So God had to give us a choice to say, if you love me, then you choose to love me. And his goal of giving us free will is so that we would choose him and we would choose to love him and would have meaning and it would have purpose and commitment because we made the choice. But you know, freedom of choice only works out when we choose to love, pursue and follow God's will. And then there are just some things, friends, that can't answer that question. There are just some things. This would not be one of the greatest questions of mankind if we had all the answers. There are times that God is God, and we just don't understand. You know, I, how many of you have seen my dog, Scamp? She's, she's on Facebook. She has uh, 100 friends, beautiful little thing. My dog, Scamp has had some horrific things happen. She was poisoned, got her to the vet. She stayed for a week on drips and everything. Came back a few years later, had to have her spleen removed back to the vet. She's experienced a lot of pain at the vet. Every time we take her to the vet, she gives us this look that says, what have I done? I've loved you. I've, I've done, I don't even poo in the house. Why are you doing this to me? And it breaks my heart. For the sake of you, staying with me longer, I am doing this. I explained to her all the way there, all the way back. 
but she still gives me that look. So when Isaiah says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts, my ways above your ways. There's some things that God, even if he explained it to us, we couldn't get it. Well, my dog is just doesn't have the capacity to understand. And I can tell you now that none of you have the capacity to understand the fullness of God. There's some things where we just have to live in the mystery. Paul Johnson says it like this. Learn to live in the mystery. Rejoicing and focusing on what God is doing, not what He isn't doing. Amen. So friends, let me say this about answers. Answers can't take away your pain. A lot of people go, so why? Why, God? Why? Explain to me why. I can explain to you why, and your pain won't go away. And even if we can't explain to you why, people who choose to run to God get healed, even if they don't get their answer. You see, pain and suffering and the answers that we give today may not heal you, but what they do is to show you that it's not from God, it's not His will, so I can run to Him, not from Him. I want to play a video that just reinforces some of this. And Haley, have you got that ready? Okay, I'm going to just switch to the back. Pass the popcorn and Coke, please, ushers. One of the biggest reasons people have a hard time believing in God is because they wonder if God does exist, why do bad things happen? We live in a world full of hate, war, pain and disease. And there's so much suffering in the world on a global scale. And personally, we've all experienced loss and hurt in some way or another. And we've all found ourselves asking God, why? And even people who don't believe in God ask him why when something bad happens. So, why do bad things happen? God gives mankind free will. He gives people the ability to choose. He doesn't want us to be mindless robots that only know how to do good. But unfortunately, this free will has been abused and mankind has been the cause for many worldwide problems. We hear about poverty and starvation and then blame God for not doing something about it. But actually, research tells us there's enough food on this planet to see every person fed in abundance. But also, there's enough money to see every person live a life of great wealth. It is a fact that there are more resources than we need, and yet we blame God for the bad stewardship of mankind. We also ask God, why is there war? And yet it's mankind who started wars, not God. Humanity makes a mess, creates tragedy, and then asks God why he let it happen. We want free will, to be able to reject God. Then we expect God to dictate our decisions and force everyone to do good. Also, it means if God exists, then Satan exists as well. We find it hard to imagine Satan being real, we see him as this fictional character, this big red man with a goatee. But when we see the evil in our world, it's not so hard to believe in the existence of Satan. The Bible says that Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy. Satan is the one who wants to bring pain and suffering into our lives, not God. You might be going through something right now that seems too much to bear. It's one of the greatest storms you've ever had to face. 
let me tell you this, God did not send it your way. And in fact, he wants to help you. The ironic thing is, when something awful happens, we blame God and push him away. When actually, God is the very thing we need in that situation. The one who will comfort us and carry us through. Picture this, a little girl is running in the park. She falls over, scrapes her knee and is bleeding. Her dad rushes over. He picks her up, wipes her wounds and comforts her. Was the pain she felt her fault? No. Was it her dad's fault? No. In her pain and confusion, she doesn't point her finger at her dad and ask, why did you let this happen? She understands that her dad loves her, that he wants to help her, that he wants to bring good into that situation. It's the same with us and God. Things happen to us that aren't our fault and they aren't God's fault. We can either push God away and get angry at him or we can let him bring good into our situation to let him pull us through our greatest struggles. When we really take a step back, really, the good in our world outweighs the bad. Have you ever asked, why do good things happen? Like when you fall in love, or when a baby's born, or when you laugh so much you end up crying. <laughs> you see that epic sunrise or taste an amazing meal or when you see someone's face in that powerful act of kindness. How can God not exist when there's so much good in our world? Isn't that good? So I I am going to quickly give you, I've already touched on most of these, but I want to quickly give you an acronym for where does pain come from? What are the sources of pain? The first one is people. You and me, either from the choices I've made or the choices others have made against God, have consequences. We have freedom of choice. We don't have freedom of consequences. And the Bible says everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boast of what he has comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world we live in has got evil people living ungodly lives, and he sends us not to judge them, but to bring restoration. And sometimes you will find yourself in difficult places because he sends good people who've been healed of stuff into difficult places to be salt and light. And so many times when people, please pray for me, I hate my job. And God says, I put you there to fix it. Ever thought of that? But people, the other thing we must understand is that Jesus said very open and honest all the time that you will suffer persecution. In this world, you'll have trouble. Paul said to Timothy, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. And most of the saints went through the greatest suffering because of persecution. When Nero took over, you don't even want to know what some of those went through. But they went out praising God. Also, as we've shared, we live in an imperfect world. It's fallen. Jesus said, I told you these things that in me you have peace. But in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's one of those promises you stick on your fridge, right? 
Take heart, I've overcome the world. So where's the trouble? It's in the world. It's not from Jesus. He's overcome the world. So if you press into Him, you overcome the world. And we have a nemesis. We have an enemy. Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's you and me. Resist him. Stand in firm in your faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Where does pain come from? People making free will choices against God. Those people bringing attack against God's people. Jesus said, if the world hated me, they will hate you too. The fact that the world is fallen and there's a curse not only on mankind but on the earth. And so the earth itself, the Bible says, all creation is groaning, waiting for that restoration to be revealed. And we have a nemesis. Those are the four primary sources of pain, P-A-I-N. If we choose to say, Jesus, restore me, Jesus, heal me, what David went through, he said, I hide myself in God. David teaches us how to respond to suffering, and he says this. Throughout the Psalms, David says this, I hide myself in you as my refuge and my strong tower. You cover me with your feathers. Under your wings, I find refuge. I want you to picture this in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering. I hide myself in you as my refuge and my strong tower. Don't let your pain push you away from God. Your freedom of choice, if you choose to blame God and push him away, you have lost the only place you can go for healing. He is the only one who can heal you. It makes no sense to run away from the person who didn't give it to you and the only person who can fix it. And I know whether I'm healed or not for the rest of my life, I'm going to hide myself in him. There are times I have, I have felt like, God, just take me. But there are times that I've hidden myself in him. And I've just said, I'm just going to sit here and you surround me. And the walk can go on all around there. But I'm safe in Jesus. Hide myself under the covering of his wings. Feels better here, Dad. Start to see those glimpses of eternity that we meant to say, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. We won't see it fully. It's a slow restoration. But I believe we're going to see more and more and more restoration before Jesus comes. Till we are starting to bring back the kingdom on earth. Amen. Won't you just stand with me? I want you to just feel the pain of things in your life that you have found very difficult, where you've questioned God. Maybe you've blamed Him. Some of you may have pushed Him away. Some of you may have just pushed it down and tried to push it away. But I want you to see yourself today coming up to Jesus and hiding yourself in Him. Picture this refuge and fortress that the enemy can't get into and you just hide yourself in there. And Dad, I ask you to come. Cover each one of these with your feathers. Cover them with your wings that under your wings they will find refuge. Father, no matter what has happened and no matter what will happen, we choose to say, I will praise you. Yet will I praise you. 
And I want you to just say, God, this is the choice I make today. And would you make this song your choice as you leave, before you leave?
song has carried me through many painful moments. Re-release right now a grace. Release your grace. You've said we have a high priest who understands because he suffered as we do. And that we can come freely before the throne of grace. To find mercy, receive grace to help us in our time of need. Won't you come run into his throne today? Just say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I need your grace. I give these things to you. I choose not to hold on to them. I choose not to use them against you or others or myself. I run to you and I hide in you. Lord, would you release a healing anointing right now into souls? Just start to receive that. Every part of your soul that's been wounded, every dry place, just let his healing and his presence come and flood. God, you're so good. You're so good. Give us the grace to learn the thoroughly therapeutic thrill of thankfulness through thick and thin. Amen. Would you give him a hand of thanks? Thank you, Dad.